You are listening to Australia's tax news podcast, Tax Talks, the podcast for Australian tax professionals. Welcome to episode 15 of Tax Talks. This is Heide Robson. Today's episode is all about fringe benefit tax. I asked Claire Thornet of WLF in Hobart why so many struggle with FBT. Here's Claire's answer. It's quite a tricky area in tax because it has its own legislation and it's the worst worded legislation in the entire tax framework. It's very complicated and it's often refers in refers to things in circles and it's quite hard to get a straight answer out of it. So it's one of a it's one of the most commonly referred um, topics that we get in the specialist tax division. It's the worst piece of legislation. So we get a lot of referrals from clients and from more of our general tax division because it is a really complicated specialist area. Is FBT your speciality? Yeah, it's one of my specialities. I do a lot of work with it, especially with not-for-profits, not-for-profits, different categories of exemptions. So it can get really tricky in that area and most people aren't aware of what to do, basically, <laughs> especially just ordinary accountants. Does WLF offer a general full-service practice or is, yes. is WLF specialising in, in FBT? No, no, we, we're a full-service firm. We have an audit division, business services and a specialist tax division and we also associated with in-house financial. Well, we have a, a company in the same building <laughs> that we are associated with that are financial planners. So we can be full service firm, so anything. But you are in the area that specialises in the F in FBT issues. Yeah, I'm in the specialist tax division, so one of my specialities is FBT. But basically anything can be a fringe benefit. It just has to be provided to an employee or an employee's associate. And the definition of an employee is quite broad as well. It can be current, future or past employees. And that's defined as anyone who receives a salary or wage that attracts pay-as-you-go withholding. So if you have an employee who retires and then you as the employer gives them a gift after they've retired, that still falls with, under the Fringe Benefit Tax Act regime and you'll have to pay FBT on it unless you can get around it somehow. I think it's very interesting that you said anything is basically a fringe benefit, even the bathrooms in the office yeah, or the even toilets, the desk or the chair. The Any- sinks, yeah. everything. Yeah, a- anything at all that's a benefit. So it's so broad. They They want to capture everything because before the regime came into effect in 1986, you could just give your employees, you could basically pay your employees and anything, non-cash benefits, and then they don't have to pay any income tax and then really erodes the the tax base and it's really bad for our system. So yeah, it can be, it can be anything. It's coffee and tea that you just have in the kitchen. It's the desk, at the desk you sit at and the chair you sit on, the computer you use. But all of those ones that, you know, that are at, on your business premises, they're all going to be exempt. They're all residual benefits that the legislation 
takes into account that you need to provide those in order to run your business. So it's a bit silly to try and tax people on that. Is it Section 41 of the FBT Act? It's 47. There's a lot in that section. It's all residual ones. Oh, yes, you're right. It's 47 located on premises and used for work purposes. That section's really long and it has a lot of little exemptions in there. One of the ones in there that people often fall down on is the this ute exemption where if you provide your employee with a ute, so I don't know, like construction workers or council workers or something like that, they give the employee a ute and then they drive it to and from work and the, that section says it's exempt if they just drive it to and from work and any other use is minor and infrequent. So people take that to mean that it's exempt and they can basically use the ute for whatever they like as long as they don't use it, you know, more than once or twice a week for private purposes. But that actual private purposes definition, that minor use, has been tested to be extremely minor. So it's more like once or twice a year that you use a ute for private use. So if you're using that ute, taking your kids school on the way to work, dropping them off, that's going to be considered private and that means that ute's not going to be exempt. But that's a really common one where people fall down on. And another another one that's quite common is people have their business logo and address and everything on the side of the ute and they think, well, it's clearly a business vehicle. You know, we're advertising on it. We're advertising ourselves on the ute, so it should be exempt. That has absolutely nothing to do with the exemption. So you can cover it completely in your logos. It's not going to stop it being a fringe benefit and it's not going to stop you having to pay fringe benefits tax. So you have to be really careful with that exemption and you have to enforce rules on your employees to say that this is not used for private purposes and it's a good idea to get them to sign statutory declarations each year to say that it wasn't used for private purposes. But you have to have these rules and you have to enforce them. So if the ATO were to look at your practice and see, you know, how these utes are actually being used, then you could get into trouble if they're being used more frequently for private purposes. So when it comes to fringe benefits, there's a lot of different kinds and they have, there's a few, there's about 10 or 12 broad categories, but most things tend to fall into expense property benefits. So if you pay for your employees' movie tickets or their health insurance, that's going to be an expense benefit. I'm surprised that you say that most commonly it's expensive property. I would have put my money on cars. On, on cars. Yeah, cars are really popular. Car parking and meal entertainment. Although meal entertainment probably actually probably doesn't happen that often. It probably is just once or twice a year, but as cars is ongoing. It does. Like it definitely depends on the business. And it, yeah, it does depend on the type of employer because some employers will provide a car because it's used as part of the, the business activity and so but it's also used privately so you you will calculate the car benefit and then you'll reduce it by the business use so that is yeah it is quite it is very common cars and car parking as well that's another one where people fall down on because they think that that's exempt because it's on the business premises but if your business is within one kilometer of a commercial car parking station then you providing a car parking fringe benefit and you have to calculate it and that's a really tricky calculation as well there's several ways to calculate it so 
yeah, that it's always best to just pass that on to the professionals, I think. And you can do things like keep logbooks of how often people are using the car parks. And sometimes too, you might think that there's no commercial car parking station nearby, but then somebody might start renting out their vacant lot as a car park and then suddenly you're providing a car parking fringe benefit. So you have to be kind of vigilant as to what's going on around you. To take a step back and to basically say how do we approach it. So the first thing is basically that we need to ask, is it even a benefit? And that is usually very easy to answer. It's usually, it's almost always a benefit. It's almost always a benefit, except if it's cash, basically. Yes. The, like cash, you can't give cash and say it's a fringe benefit. Yeah. It, it's, that is always going to be taxed in the employee's yes. hand. So anything non-cash that has, yeah. that is not detrimental to the employee is basically, <laughs> yeah. is basically a benefit. And then we have to look at, whether it's an employer or an associate who provides this benefit? So it can be an employer or an, an associate of the employer. So they can arrange for somebody else to give you the benefit. So you're not going to get around it that way. Or it can be an associate of yours. So you can arrange for your employer to give the benefit to your spouse or some other relatives. That The definition of an associate of an employee is broad as well. It includes partner in a partnership and trustee of a trust or a company that that's yeah so it's really it's really broad they really they really have captured everything but yeah it has to be in respect of employment as well though so yeah that's an important point yeah yeah so it's something that if it's purely a gift then if it is like a christmas gift that you know has nothing really to do with employment then it may not be a, a fringe benefit. But you need to look really closely at that and, and see what a you know a reasonable person would think that you're giving that gift for. Like is it a is it really a thank you for your services during the year or is it just a, a wedding gift or a birthday? You know, it's something, you know, sort of one off. You know, if the employee expects to get, you know, a gift card every Christmas, then that might be a fringe benefit because they're kind of relying on that. And I can imagine in small companies, this can be very complicated to work out whether it's in respect of employment or not. It can be. I mean, the safe assumptions assume that it is. I mean, usually people, they salary sacrifice in order to get the fringe benefit, so then it's quite obvious. But, yeah, when it comes to gifts, that's where it is going to be tricky. And if you've got a solid argument as to why it's not to do with their employment, then, you know, you, you could probably argue your case if the ATO were to look at it. But before we get to the different benefits, there are also some things that are specifically excluded from the fringe benefit definition, which basically feeds back to our first question when we ask, is it a benefit? Yeah, so salary or wages, super payments, even though you can sacrifice extra super, it's not a fringe benefit. Some termination payments, Employee share Employee share schemes, yeah. Deemed dividends under Div 7A. Div 7A usually trumps FBT, usually. It's not always, but most cases. I see. So if it's 7A, then don't worry about FBT. Yeah, like if they're a shareholder and it's a loan, then it's going to be Div 7A. If it's a car, then it might not be.
then it comes down to the type of employer you are as well. So that's going to, if you're like a religious institution and the employees engaged wholly in pastoral duties, then everything's going to be exempt. And then if you have, if you're a public benevolent institution or a health promotion charity or a not-for-profit hospital, you can get benefits exempt up to a certain limit and those limits vary depending on what kind of employee you are. So that's where those exemptions come in. When you do your fringe benefit return, you in the disclosures, you put down all your fringe benefits except the exempt ones, even the ones that you've reduced down to nil. So with the otherwise deductible rule or business use, say you have a car or something and it's 100% business use, you should still disclose that because it's not exempt. Whereas the exempt ones like taxi travel, if your employee's sick and you send them home in a taxi, that's going to be exempt childcare on the employee's premises, that's exempt. There's quite a lot of them. They're usually to do with work-related items or to do with being an employee, like employee relocation benefits. So if you if you get someone down from interstate or overseas and when they move down, then you can pay for all of their relocation expenses and that's not going to be covered that it's going to be exempt. I think the list is really long. It would easily hit the 100 or so, isn't it, of specific exemptions? It is really long. Like, it's always, if you're not sure, like, it's a good idea just to check that list. Yeah, and it's Division 13, isn't it? Division 13 of the FBT. Yes, yeah. So there's, there is a lot. They, to do with, like, almost common sense stuff like health things, if you're providing um, sort of, you know, a first aid clinic or, or um, flu vaccinations for employees, that's going to be exempt. Newspapers, a good one is airport lounge membership, mm. that's exempt. So that's a good one for people who travel a lot. Yeah. They can get that and they don't need to. They can, it's quite beneficial tax-wise yes. for both parties because they can basically get that tax-free when they'd want it anyway. So these are the exclusion and exemptions, and it probably doesn't matter whether something is excluded or exempt. You know, in, in, in practice, it, it has the same outcome that you just put it aside and don't worry about it. And then we already touched on the types of benefits, and I think there are how many benefits? Car, debt waiver, loan, expense payment, housing, living away from home, board, meal entertainment, bod, tax-exempt body entertainment, car parking, yeah. property, and residual so it would be 11 if one doesn't count the tax-exempt body entertainment because that's really not a separate type of benefit, actually, because it basically is just the employer. It's an employer Yeah, it's a type of employer. Yeah. does affect, though, another one people really like to use is the minor benefit exemption, Section 58P, where if it's under $300 and it's sort of once off, then you can, it's just exempt. So that's where gifts are often fall under that category. Or the Christmas party. Yeah, the Christmas party. The thing that profits can't do is use that for entertainment. Um, so they can't use that for the Christmas party, but they can use it for other things, for gifts. But everybody else can use it for entertainment as well. And is it $300 per benefit? Yep. It's it's the different type of benefits. But, but if you're providing very similar benefits, 
you have to aggregate them. If they're quite different, then it's $300 for each benefit. It's under $300, yeah. Yeah, under $300, yeah. And I think as soon as you give $300, you are in. Yep, that's the whole thing is tax. It's not, it's not the over the three hundred or. So always make sure it's two ninety nine or less. Exactly, and you know if you want to, if you want to do something, you can give. If you want to give three hundred dollars or more, you could do it over the two FBT years, but it's oh, still yeah. in the same fiscal year. So, you know that's, oh, that's something people idea. do. Hmm. Just sort of once on the thirtieth of March and the other on the first of April. Um, but you have to be careful that you don't get into sort of scheme territory. Yeah, for yeah, A or uh, so. 4A mm. and stuff. Yeah, that. But that is a that is a the not for profits fall down on that that one mm. because yeah, with entertainment, you you can get you can get away with different the different ways to value entertainment. You can often get down it. You can get down your entertainment to to nil depending on how you provide it. When it comes to GST and fringe benefit tax, they interact in a way that depends on whether you're registered for GST. So there are two types of fringe benefits outside of the categories of fringe benefits, type one and type two. Type one are benefits that the employer is entitled to input tax credits on. So anything that has GST on it, and if you're registered for GST, then it's going to be type one. If you're not registered for GST, then it's everything you provide is going to be type two. The most common type two benefits are mortgage repayments and debt waivers and loans um, because there's no GST on finance. Or expenses are so paid overseas. Expenses, yeah, like if it's not, you know, if it's food, yeah, international travel would be one, but not domestic. And so when you're calculating your taxable value, you have to include the GST. So that is another place where people will fall down is that they determine the taxable value, which is different for each type of benefit, each category, and it's provided in the legislation how to calculate the taxable value, but you have to include GST if you're entitled to the input tax credit. So if you, for instance, with cars, the amount that you use to depreciate a car for tax income tax purposes is different to the amount you use when you're calculating the car fringe benefit because it, it needs to have GST on it and it has other things included in it. Yeah, like deemed depreciation and deemed interest. Yeah. So you use the GST inclusive value to calculate those. But if you buy a car not from a car yard that's registered for GST, then it's a type two benefit because you, you weren't entitled to input tax credits. So that is a way. Or if you get the car as a going as part of a going concern, so you say you buy a business and it has includes a couple of cars and you've bought the business as a going concern, so it has no GST on the sale of the business, then the cars have no GST on them. So, you yeah, so it's type two. When it comes to employee contribution, so that is a way to reduce the taxable value where you get the employee to give you a post-tax contribution that reduces the taxable value by that amount. That is a taxable supply that you need to give up 10% to the ATO on. So if a 111th to the ATO. Oh, really? If you had a fringe benefit of 11000 including $1,000 tax and the employee gives you 
$10, then those $10 have to go to the ATO. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. The provision of a fringe benefit is to an employee's considered a taxable supply, but it's actually exempt from GST specifically. So that's a weird technicality. It's a, this is one where people are gets a little confusing because it doesn't follow those normal logical rules that you find in the GST Act because they're just trying to make it equitable. And in terms of income tax, fringe benefits tax and the provision of fringe benefits is, are all tax deductible for the employer. So you don't have, it's not, you know, income tax isn't tax deductible, of course, but fringe benefit tax is. You just have to be careful about what amounts you're deducting if you're paying by instalments. So you deduct the expenses you incurred to provide this benefit, but yeah. then you can also tax deduct the extra fringe benefit tax paid? Yes. So the way to calculate your FBT is you have to determine the taxable value of each benefit, and that is determined by the legislation. So it's not necessarily going to be the amount that the employer pays for it. In particular, car parking and cars are ones where it's not going to be the amount that you pay. For cars at the moment, basically 20% of the base value of the car, which is the base value is also an amount determined by legislation. Or you can use a logbook method where you it's basically all the running costs as well as deemed depreciation and interest. And then it's by the business use, by the non-business use, and that's your taxable value. And then you get that amount and then you gross it up by a legislated amount, which is determined by the fringe benefit tax rate. There's a tricky little formula. But for, for type 1 and type 2, they're different gross up rates and it's just to take into account the input tax credit benefit that the employer is getting from the provision of the benefit, but the type one is slightly higher than the type two, and it, but they're both about two by a factor of two. So you gross it up by two and then you multiply it by the fringe benefit tax rate, which currently is 47. 49% or 47%? It's, 40, yeah, it's 47, yeah. 47% f- what we're in now and 49 last year because it's the highest marginal tax rate plus, plus the Medicare levy. And but but basically, you know, it usually works out that you whatever you paid for the benefit, you pay again in fringe benefit tax. By the way, the gross up rates works like it's slightly less. But say you have a thousand dollar benefit, you probably end up paying about a thousand dollars in fringe benefit tax if you can't use if you can't reduce it in any way through like the otherwise deductible rule, which is if it would be deductible to the employee if they were paying it for themselves. So if you paid for an employee's course, education, that's to do with their job, then that would be deductible in their hands. So you can that's 100% deductible. Or if you give them a loan and they use the loan to buy shares that give them dividends, then that's also going to be deductible because they'll be able to, they, if they got the loan themselves from a bank, they'd be able to claim. But I think the otherwise deductible rule only applies to certain fringe, to certain types of fringe benefits and not to other types. Yeah, one-off things. So not to say get the, a big computer or something not a, that's not exempt under work-related exemption for computers or laptops and they use it for 
work. You can't use the otherwise deductible rule generally because if they were claiming that in their own tax, they'd be claiming depreciation and that's an ongoing thing. So it's sort of a once-off only deductions that the employees could Mm -hmm. claim. And you can't claim it for your spouse if your spouse could have deducted in their own, like an associate rather. So if the associate were to get it themselves, pay for it themselves, then and they would be able to make use a claim in the income tax. You can't use the otherwise deductible rule there because it has to be for the employee only. Yes. So the otherwise deductible rule only applies if it's a once-off, so depreciation yeah. is out, and if it's for the actual employee, actual employee. and not, the, not an associate. Yeah. And then if you end up having to pay over $3,000 in tax one year, you have to pay installments going forward. So sometimes people, and that, that goes through your BAS. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And with the reportable fringe benefit, that's a little different to the actual benefits you provide because some are excluded. Car parking entertainment are the two big ones that are excluded from reporting. And it's not what you report on your fringe benefit tax return. It's what goes on the employee's payment summaries and they have to include it in their uh, income tax returns. And it can affect things like the Medicare levy surcharge or if they have to pay child support. Uh, You just said that car parking benefits, for example, are excluded from the reportable French benefits? Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. I guess the theory behind it is that it's a little bit hard if you have, like, you know, six car parks and people just first come, first serve. You don't really know who's getting the car park, even though in the real world that might not be the case you might know who's getting the car park each time so it's easy to tell that the employer is is incurring is is making a fringe benefit but it's it's difficult to tell who this friendship benefit is to and therefore yeah. it's difficult to say who should have it on the um exactly on their pay as you go somewhere. yeah hmm. and that's the same with entertainment like it's difficult to tell who's getting it if you use the meal entertainment and that's why meal entertainment is also exempt from report is not included in reportable French benefits. No. Okay. So car parking and meal entertainment. Yeah, they're the two big ones. Sometimes if you have a car that's pulled, that won't be included. Mm. So basically whenever you can't you can't, can't identify say who it goes to. Yeah, if you can't identify who the French benefit is going to, it's it's probably not going to be reportable. I mean, some people will reportable amounts don't affect them at all, but it can do when it comes to HEX repayments, for instance, can get you over the line and can, you know, they can get a big surprise. Mm. And the Medicare surcharge you already mentioned. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, other government payments or, you know, childcare, spouse support. So yeah, it can be, it is, it's important to sort of get that right. And when it comes to payroll tax, you basically add up all of the taxable values and you use the lower gross up rate and that's what you put on your payroll tax form. Oh, yeah, for, yes, for tax. payroll tax purposes, you always use the type 2 gross up, don't you? Yeah. Hmm. And then you actually pay payroll tax on, on the fringe benefit. Yes. But not on the GST component, hence the type 2 yes, gross up rate. Right. Hmm. Yeah, that's Yeah. Yeah. So that's how that works.
the amendment is four to six years, in fact, for FPT, so it's slightly longer than income tax amendments. So if you are getting audited, then, yeah, it can be really expensive. With penalties, you can... If they're, you know, you're going to get penalties for late returns, you might be able to get them remitted if you're, you know, it's your first time. With interest charges as well, they're the same as for income tax. So if you have a, if you have a late return and you've got a huge amount to pay, then yeah, you can get large interest fines as well. But it's not, yeah, it's not like the penalties are extremely severe. So that was a very brief and short overview of fringe benefits and fringe benefits tax. It is very complicated and I would recommend getting professional advice if you're unsure because each benefit is calculated differently. Are there voices in the industry that are screaming for a simpler solution? There always are because it is such a complicated piece of work, the FPT legislation, but you have to have it it will just erode the tax revenue. So because I'd get paid in mortgage repayments and I'd get, you know, gift cards to Coles instead of getting paid a salary so that I wouldn't have to pay any tax. We need to have something to simplify it. Are there codes to simplify it? Yeah, there always are because it is so complicated and it's hard to understand. But it's because, yeah, like because we were saying before that everything – is a fringe benefit. So that's why you have to have this really complicated set of rules in order to go, yes, that is that should have tax on it or it shouldn't. That's why you sort of you go through that list of fringe benefits and you're like, oh, car, it's not a car, it's not expense, it's not property. And then you're like, oh, it's none of these. But then you go, oh, it's residual because yes. that sort of covers everything yeah. else, which is where those, you know, your computer and your your desk and everything falls under that. Yes. Mm. It's not, you're not get a property benefit. You're not, a property benefit is where you, you get something and you keep it. And an expense benefit is where you incur an expense and your employer pays for, yes. reimburses it or, you know, pays your creditor and everything else is kind of, that you're using is residual. So, yes. yeah, just, but yeah, I don't, I don't know how they can simplify it, you know, in, in an equitable way. It's a, it takes a bigger brain than mine. Yes, yeah, um, <laughs> mine too. <laughs> a lot of accountants hate FBT, but I really enjoy it because uh, once you know your way around the legislation, it's kind of like solving puzzles. And I actually really enjoy just doing, sitting down and doing FBT return, even if it's quite complicated. So, well, yeah, once you get your head around it, it can be kind of fun, but probably only if you're a bit of a tax nerd. Inclined that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome back. I find it interesting that even an FBT specialist like Claire Thornet names our FPT legislation the worst worded legislation in our entire tax framework. For something so confusing, you would think that it collects a lot of money. But it doesn't. The total fringe benefit tax collected in the 2016 tax year was 4.3 billion Australian dollars, 
that is a lot of money, I agree. But compare these 4.3 billion to the 187 billion that individuals pay in income tax and FBT suddenly feels very small. FBT brings in a fraction, less than 3% in comparison to what you and I and all of us pay in individual income taxes. In the next episode, episode 16, Gavin Stewart of Belta Perry will walk us through the steps of a debt recovery. Until then, thank you for listening. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.